Welcome to the Joyful Attorney Podcast, where licensed attorney and certified life coach, Laura Kelly, teaches you how to bring joy, harmony, and balance to your practice and your life. Hello, colleagues, whenever or wherever you are, welcome to the Joyful Attorney Podcast. I'm your host, professional certified coach and practicing attorney, Laura Kelly. Today, I'm going to talk about a nasty habit most of us have, shooting ourselves. The first questions you may have are A, what is shooting? And B, why am I doing it? Psychologist Clayton Barbo coined the term shooting yourself to mean putting pressure on yourself to do or be something based on what you think you are supposed to do. I believe anytime the word should creeps into our thoughts or dialogue, it should serve as a red light for us to go deeper about what we are thinking, doing, or saying. Although, there is a big disclaimer when it's in the context of whether you should be wearing your seatbelt or should look before crossing the road. There are some very useful shoulds out there. The main definition of the word should is used to indicate obligation, duty, or correctness, typically when criticizing someone's actions. Most of us have a very robust inner and outer critic. In fact, whenever you find yourself criticizing others, it's an excellent indication that it would serve us to reflect on whether that criticism stems from a deep, unmet internal need. Indeed, most criticism of others is actually projection. And when we become aware of this, we can recognize that most criticism is entirely unnecessary. You may be bristling at this, but let me be clear. There's a huge difference between making corrections or establishing boundaries and what we know as criticism. At this point, I wanted to let you know that a range of new life classes are coming up called A New You in 22, and you definitely should be interested in joining me in one of these classes. Whether you want to tame that calendar, learn how to value your time and profits, or put a safety on your emotional triggers, the Joyful Attorney is there for you. For the price of under a quarter of a billable hour and in just one lunchtime, joy can be restored to your practice of the law. And in even better news, the very first class in the series is completely free. On Monday, October 25th, I'll be covering the ethics of time management. Learn effective time management tips to ensure you are following your ethical obligations as an attorney. It's approved for one hour of technology and one hour of ethics in the state of Florida. Go to thejoyfulattorney.com to sign up. Now back to the business of shooting. Now, here's what I know. Typically, there is no one that we are harder on than ourselves. So many of us hold ourselves to extremely high, if not impossible to meet, expectations. And as a result, we engage in a lot of inner and outer criticism, from self-perceived bad hair days to feeling that we're not good enough to be attorneys. Engaging with ourselves and others in this manner is so unpleasant. It simply doesn't feel good to criticize ourselves or others. Some of us believe that if we don't engage in self-criticism, we will lose our edge and won't continue to be successful. I actually believe that we've been successful in spite of our impossibly high expectations and criticism. Again, we know that we are engaging in self-criticism and impossible expectations when we are telling ourselves that we should have done something or we should do something. Shooting ourselves holds us to impossibly high standards simply because we can't go back in time and do something different. 
When it's past-focused, shooting ourselves holds us to impossibly high standards simply because we cannot go back in time and do something different. What purpose does it serve for us to have a past-focused criticism of ourselves? It actually impedes an objective analysis of what happened because our perspective is already skewed with the negative self-judgment. Besides, even if you have the power of time travel, we've seen enough movies to know that going back in time for real never ends well, nor does it when you travel back in your head. And when we can have self-compassion rather than self-judgment, we are able to actually have a more comprehensive perspective of situations in order to learn from them rather than to beat ourselves up. When we foster self-compassion, we do not have to hold ourselves up to an impossible should. We allow ourselves to be human in all that entails. Renowned researcher and mindful self-compassion instructor, Dr. Kristen Neff, outlines three elements to help us develop self-compassion. First is understand self-compassion versus self-judgment. She says, self-compassion entails being warm and understanding toward ourselves when we suffer, fail, or feel inadequate, rather than ignoring our pain or flagellating ourselves with self-criticism. She goes on to say self-compassionate people recognize that being imperfect, failing, and experiencing life difficulties is inevitable. So they tend to be gentle with themselves when confronted with painful experiences, rather than getting angry when life falls short of set ideals. People cannot always be or get exactly what they want. When this reality is denied or fought against, suffering increases in the form of stress, frustration, and of course, self-criticism. However, when this reality is accepted with sympathy and kindness, greater emotional equanimity is experienced. The second step, according to Dr. Kristen Neff, is understanding common humanity versus isolation. She says that frustration at not having things exactly as we want it is often accompanied by an irrational but pervasive sense of isolation, as if I were the only person suffering or making mistakes. It's important to understand, however, that all humans suffer. In fact, the very definition of being a human means that one is mortal, vulnerable, and imperfect. Dr. Neff says, Therefore, self-compassion involves recognizing that suffering and personal inadequacy is part of the shared human experience, something that we all go through, rather than being something that just happens to me alone. And finally, Dr. Neff highlights the importance of mindfulness as opposed to over-identification. Dr. Neff writes, self-compassion also requires taking a balanced approach to our negative emotions so that feelings are neither suppressed nor exaggerated. This equilibrated stance stems from the process of relating personal experiences to those of others who are also suffering, thus putting our own situation into a larger perspective. It also stems from the willingness to observe our own negative thoughts and emotions with openness and clarity so that they are held in mindful awareness. Mindfulness is a non-judgmental, receptive mind state in which one observes thoughts and feelings as they are without trying to suppress or deny them. According to Dr. Neff, we cannot ignore our pain and feel compassion for it at the same time. Mindfulness requires that we not be over-identified with thoughts and feelings, 
so that we are, are not caught up and swept away by negative reactivity. Quite simply, we begin to develop self-compassion when we cut ourselves some slack, when we give ourselves grace. We can take the example of tennis player Emma Raducanu, and I'm going to cut myself some slack for probably mispronouncing her name. The 18-year-old won the U.S. Open in September and was on a 10-game winning streak when she lost to another player. Emma said, Going into the match, I didn't put pressure on myself because in my mind, I am so inexperienced. I am 18 years old. I need to cut myself some slack. Thinking about the pressures that caused Naomi Osaka to withdraw from competition, this is a healthy attitude. Pressure gives us diminishing returns. A little pressure and expectation can be motivating. Too much pressure and impossible expectations has the opposite effect. Imagine if Emma put that pressure on herself that she should win every match. We may not be 18 years old, but we can take a lot from Emma's wisdom. We all have so much going on. We've survived a global pandemic. We've had to deal with so much adversity in our lives. And here we are. We all need to cut ourselves some slack. We are not perfect. We are not going to win every match. But when we have our own backs and give ourselves compassion, we can accomplish much more than we ever dreamed of. Until next time, stay joyful. Learn more about how you can work with Laura Kelly by going to thejoyfulattorney.com. Thank you for listening.